Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of This My Bourbon Podcast. I'm your host, Perry. With me, as he always is, is Jedi Master himself, Eric, the Whiskey Mutant Smith. May the 4th be with you. Happy May the 4th, everybody. Star Wars Day. Mr. Jaja Banks. Oh, no. Who let this guy in? I can't I find believe your lack of faith disturbing. In Jar Jar Banks, you should. Ah, huh? Annie? <laughs> Have you ever seen the thing? Is like failed me for the last time. Like Jar Jar Binks ruined the galaxy like twice. Yeah, <laughs> dude should have been cut in half like friggin' first movie. Yeah, no kidding. Sorry, Jar Jar. No! <laughs> oh no! <laughs> We're just gonna do Jar Jar impressions this entire episode. Which remember, remember, sounds miserable. Remember when the big thing was like. Jar Jar's gonna be uh Oh, he's gonna the, be a Sith Lord. The Sith Lord. Yeah. I was like, that's the dumbest thing ever. I mean, but he was genuinely awful for the galaxy. Oh yeah. He so, made horrible decisions. Yeah. And some idiot decided that he should be a senator. Very, very that's or, a mistake. Or a genius. Oh. Who's to say? Who's to say? All I'm saying is the Empire did nothing wrong. That's not true. They killed millions of people. At least they didn't kill <laughs> Yeah, they did kill pretty much everybody. <laughs> and kids. And women. And all of them. <laughs> they killed them all! <laughs> Butchered that line so bad. That was really good. Yeah. Uh, anyway, it is Wednesday. It's another 10 bip. It's May the 4th. Happy May the 4th. Go watch a Star War. And, uh, Be a Star War. But after, yes. But after you listen to this podcast, though, then you can go watch yeah. a Star War. Because this week... We got a really good episode. We're going to talk about some new TTV labels. We're going to be talking about this expansion that's coming from Heaven Hill, which is going to be crazy sauce, I would say. Um, that's the official term for it as well. Code crazy sauce. Hashtag crazy sauce, y'all. <laughs> what are we doing? Crazy we sauce, doing man. Oh, my gosh. Crazy. And uh, I've also got a really fun interview with the cocktail Contessa. Mm. So you guys are going to enjoy that. Before that, though, you can find us on all social media channels at My Bourbon Pod and at Whiskey Mutant. You can support us and everything that we do at patreon.com slash my bourbon podcast for as little as a dollar a month. Five dollars a month gets you bonus content. Uh, I've started this thing where if I get a phone call during our, our bonus content, I answer it yeah, on air. Just and go for it. We just go for it because I'm friggin' tired of spam calls. I can't take it anymore. If they so. call you back after that last one, I mean, they got perseverance. I mean, I didn't say anything, like, to hurt their feelings. No, but, but... I was in the background making noises. <laughs> it's, it's true. Uh, and also, because we didn't mention this up top last week, or at least I don't think we did, uh, our live show, end of this month, we are just a few short weeks away uh, from the uh, This is My Bourbon Podcast meetup weekend, yep. Tim, Tim Boo. Timbua. Timbua. Just Timbua. Had a, uh, we just had a meeting uh, at the hotel last week. We did. Week. Got, got some... some stuff squared away, and we got to figure out the f- couple of food items yes. there. I got the menu sitting right over here. Yeah. So we've uh, we've got, as of recording, one ticket left for the all-in package. Who's going to get it? I'm not sure. Uh, but if you want to bring a spouse, we can probably bump it up to like more <laughs> yeah we'll see what happens we'll figure it out uh but plenty of general admission tickets left as well uh but they are going fast so do not sleep on that you can do or uh, do not come. there is There's no try no uh you get to come hang out with us 
We're going to be chatting with Jason from The Mash and Drum, Chad from My Daily Bourbon, and as I revealed on last week's uh, live stream, that's what that was, uh, which the audio you can listen to right here in the podcast feed should be up right now. I'm a little behind, but I'm going to get both of those up from the past two weeks very quickly after we're done recording. We are recording this on Tuesday as well. That's how we roll, baby. It's been a crazy few weeks. Um, But... Our good friends, David and Kira from WhiskeyChannel.com over on YouTube, are going to be joining us for the weekend as well. And they're going to be participating in the live show with some... Uh, we're not going to reveal exactly what I it don't is even just know what yet, they're doing. but it's it's something else. I'll say that. <laughs> uh, they're going to be contributing to some of our tastings. And overall, they're just going to create some very much needed and oft-beloved chaos to the, the mix of everything. So... Don't miss it. Don't. Don't miss don't. it. Stop. The, Get a st- ticket. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the links for the uh, the tickets are in the description below, as are the as is the link for the hotel. And so, uh, it's also in the uh, my at my bourbon on uh, yeah, at my but, bourbon pod at my bourbon pod uh, on the description on the Instagram. <laughs> and uh, the uh, it's all in Lexington. I don't think we've mentioned that yeah. enough. Yeah. And you get to hang out with us. Lexington. Do you hate when people say Lex Vegas? Oh, I hate it. I think so it's so stupid, worse. right? Ugh. Disgust me. Nash Vegas, though? Nash Vegas. Totally fine. Yeah, I'm cool with that. That one makes perfect sense. It's just because Kentucky, or excuse me, Lexington doesn't have that reputation, yeah. I think. Of whatever. We're about but to make it have that rep. Boy, howdy. Boy, oh boy. Oh, man. <clears throat> what are we doing? What are we starting with this week? A gift A that gift. I forgot to give you. Okay. Because uh, I brought you back something from Disney. Aw. I did. Dude. So you can open it. You can leave it as it is. But it's just a cool little souvenir. Because I think it's one of the coolest things. So this, I wasn't expecting a present. This is... If you go to... They may sell them in some other spots. But if you go to Galaxy's Edge and you get a Diet Coke, they put it in... They put it in one of the little bombs. No freaking way! <laughs> the little thermal bomb, thermal detonators and stuff. You Holy call crap, that's so cool. So I brought you back one of those. Dang, man, thank you! How did you get this on the plane? <laughs> Honestly, when those when they first did that, and we were down there close to when it opened, I looked it up, and people were getting stopped in security because of those. That's bringing them crazy. Back. But now Orlando, since pretty much everybody's flying out of Orlando, they are... They know what they are now. Yeah. Just like flying with a lightsaber. Oh, I'm sorry. This is a thermal detonator. Yeah. A what? What? <laughs> Get down. It's so what cool, though. What do you though. have? A knife? No! <laughs> they have, uh, they have <laughs> Diet Coke, they have regular Coke, and they have Sprite, and they all are like the colors, but they're shaped like that. The Diet Coke one looks the coolest, Yeah, I would say. It also looks the most like the actual thermal detonator. Right, right. The Man, other one, the Sprite you so is much. green. Yeah. Oh, I love that. So there you go. I guess I'm having a... Cause I want to like, I don't know. Is it more worth it to like leave the liquid in there? I mean, I don't. Cause I, I think it's a really cool, just like a prop to kind of have around. Yeah, like I, I mean, you could drink it, put the lid back on, and it would just be empty. You could uh, do whatever. I mean, it's not like they're going away. Like we can always well, get more. Well, true. So whatever you want to do. Eventually, eventually cool. I'll get to Galaxy's Edge as well. Yeah. But thanks, man. Yeah, man. I love it. Oh. There you I'm go. all warm and fuzzy. It's Star Wars. Day. All right, what you been drinking? I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we got uh, uh, Flying Blind this week. Is yeah. that what you said we're doing? I brought something over. Sweet. 
I've done flying blind for the past few weeks, I think, and so you did flying blind, sips and snacks, and everything. Oh yeah, that's right. I did do that sips and snacks. Man, it's been a <laughs> a long few weeks. I feel like here I got it's wrote on this side. Here, just I'll pour it for you. We're gonna finish this sample together. I've been holding on to it for a little bit. Oh, nothing but warm and fuzzies on Tim Bip today. That's what we do, man. Love you. <laughs> Love you too, buddy. All right. Whoa. Oh, yeah, that's it smells just, just that's as good just as the, the last time I had it. Oh, my God. That's a, f- a frosted cinnamon roll through and through. I mean, it's it's cinnamon roll, and it's just got, like, this extra, like, buttercream icing on it. Yeah, like, a little bit of baking spices, too. Like, you could smell that all day. I want a candle made out of this nose. <laughs> that's... Exactly. Hmm. <laughs> well, it's not as spicy as I was expecting it to be. It's very French toasty. I feel like I'm leaning towards it being a weeded bourbon. No? No. Yeah, all right. Is it lower rye? Uh, I don't know the exact mash bill. We'll confirm in them. Yeah, you'll, you'll, here, you'll, you'll probably know. Yeah. It also kind of goes a little bit like heaven hilly. It reminds me, it's got a lot of like, it's more, it's more mm. maple heavy. Yeah, than like for sure. Bacon spices. Yeah. And it's almost got like this, almost like a, like a, like a chocolate sundae when the vanilla mm, yeah. when the vanilla and the chocolate have kind of mixed. Oh, it's so good. I like it. You know what it is? You gonna take a guess? I I'm my brain is not working enough to do Matt Madness right now, so I'm gonna just go ahead and say what what are we drinking here? This is a single barrel from Boone County. Really? This was the sample that Chad from It's Bourbon Night gave me. Oh, snap. Of the Boone County 1833 12-year gift shop only. Dang. This is the one he put in the bourbon bowl. Yeah. And this was like the deciding vote when I had to pick between the tiebreaker, and I picked this one. What's the... It's kind of higher it's proof, like isn't one, it? It's 113-ish, 114-ish, because... I put the I put it up against uh, Russell's thirteen. That oh, was yeah, that's that was right. Sarah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sarah had Russell's thirteen, and Chad had this, and so th- that was the round that they went against each other. And I, it was a single barrel. They were both kind of the same age, same proof, and all that. It's really good. It's super it's good. Really good. It's so so drinkable too. So I that, mean, I, I I could easily kill about half that bottle. So it's MGP, obviously, but I don't know. I don't know if it's like which MGP. It I is. don't know off the top of my head either. I I'm prob I'm leaning towards it's probably like thirteen the the thirteen percent right mash bill mash bill that they use, um. But I don't know. I could be I could be horribly horribly wrong, especially since I first said oh I think this is a weeded burger. I mean it's so, so sweet though, right? Yeah. Um. But regardless, 
It's good, man. Oh, it's so good. I got something I'll have you drink as well while we're doing news okay. and everything. But Star Wars related. Uh, 75% corn, 21% rye, 4% malted barley. Hmm. I would have gotten a couple points, I think. Yeah. Either way, <laughs> freaking great. Yeah. I like. I like for sure. What have you been drinking recently, though? Man, I'm I'm on a... I'm on like a cocktail kick. Um, That's we, perfect for this episode then with the cocktail yeah. contessa. We uh, we took the kids to uh, Bernheim Forest yeah. over the weekend to see the uh, the Wooden Giants, which was pretty cool. Um, and after that, we uh, went over to have uh, dinner or kind of lunch dinner at uh, Jim Beam at the kitchen table. How was it? Dude, like, let me tell you. I'm putting that at the top of recommendations. That place, food-wise... It's an early, early tips and bits? Early tips and bits. <laughs> Jim Beam, the food there, is on par with Bardstown Bourbon Company, Willet, all that. Like, it's outstanding. And I, and I mean that. Like, I had all five kids... Not five kids. I had all five of us. <laughs> Wait a second. I only have three kids. Is April pregnant with twins somehow? <laughs> no, me. It was all five of us. Me and April and the three kids, and we all got something different. So I was trying a little bit of everything. Yeah. Like, I had like a, um, I had a, uh, uh, it was a brisket sandwich, but it was like they had all jus sauce with it, so it was like a brisket sandwich dip. Um, April, April had bardu. Is that bargu? Is that how you say bargu? Bargu. Yeah. Oh, it was so good. Uh, Dash had a pizza. They make pizzas there. Eli had fried chicken with that had honey that you drizzled over it. And Addison had pulled pork sliders. And everything on the menu was just great. Everything I had. Nice. Um, but I had uh, I had two cocktails there. I had a old-fashioned, which was great. Um, and then I had this thing called a strawberry paper airplane. And it was old over overhort. Holt. Holt, old overholt rye infused with strawberries and some other stuff in it. It was freaking amazing. That sounds awesome. <laughs> um, but they also have ton of other cocktails. Um, they've got a, uh, they do have a Knob Creek single barrel that's there picked by the kitchen, I guess you would say you can buy. Um, I didn't get it. I'd spent way too much money on food and cocktails. Um, but if you're there, if you go to the gift shop down at Jim Beam, they just have the normal stuff down there. Yeah. Um, but Which is so weird. To I know. Because they used to have Knob Creek single barrels there all the time. And you go and they're signed by like Fred and Freddie and everything. It's the nicest gift shop ever. And then you go in, there's not like a special like bottle that's like gift shop only. I guess yeah. the old tub, like the little... Yeah, but you can yeah. get that at Justin's now, yeah, too. Like, there's... it. That, I don't know. And I, I think that I have been... I've been exposed to this more recently. Not that I wasn't before, but just it's in the forefront of my mind because I've been doing so many tours recently. And the main complaint that I hear is that we go to these gift shops and they don't have anything that's exclusive yeah. just to the gift shop. Yeah. And I totally understand. Like, it used to be very, very common for you to go to particular distilleries and their gift shops would have something that you couldn't get anywhere else. I mean, heck, Heaven Hill doesn't have the Elijah Craig 
barrel select grenades. I know. Like they used to. I mean, it's hit or miss now. Yeah. Whether or not they have it. And and the past few times that I've been up there, it's <laughs> they haven't had any. Yeah. Which is insane. So it's insane you, to me. If you're at Jim Beam and you don't have a lot of time to eat, walk up to the kitchen. Um and you can buy a single barrel rye or a single barrel bourbon of Knob Creek up there. But like the actual bottle. The bottle. Yeah, full bottle. Well, I guess that counts enough towards being yeah, but like it, it gift d- shop adjacent. Yeah, but it, it says uh, the kitchen table or whatever on the labels. I, it's not like Jim Beam gift shop. I kind of wish you'd, you'd told me because I totally would have I didn't sent, sent you money for it. I should have said something. No, that's all right. They have plenty. I'm I mean, sure I'm sure I'm going to be over that I way before too long. Going, but I tell you when I'll do cocktails it. Cocktails and food at the kitchen are some of the best stuff I've had. I'll tell you when I'll stop by is when I'm on my way back from Nashville. <laughs> Towards the end of the month. Yeah, there you go. Because I've got a big, I've, I've got a two-day tour with uh, with a group that ends with me dropping them off at the airport in Nashville. It's such a long... It's a long drive. But the upside of it, though, is that I'm going to be staying down in Franklin, uh, and I'm going to go and see Will and Grease. And I'll probably stop in at Elixir as well so I can see Tarek. Yeah. But... I, uh, yeah, it's going to be, so, it's going to be a really, really long couple of days. And this week I'm doing, uh, three days with the same, with the same group and it ends with me taking them to and from the Derby. So, oh nice. yeah. Happy Derby week as well. Everybody. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Star Wars Derby. Jeez. It's just, there's a lot of stuff going on. Um, I'll talk about something that I've been drinking recently that I kind of haven't been able to get my mind off of. Ooh. Um, but we've, we had it not too long ago on the show, but I just, look, I am so enamored with them right now, but EJ <laughs> Curley, to, to go from a brand that I didn't know existed to like, I'm ready to pick up multiples of their, their product, I am so, so in on what they're doing. And I, I did a live stream about their stuff uh, a couple weeks ago as well, and they reached out and they're like, You've, you need to really, really need to try our small batch. As well, because it's a source single barrel. Yeah. Um, but if it's what we kind of think it might be, it could be one of the sleepers on the market. Yeah, so, I need to grab that small batch. Are you going to stop by Ernie's on your way home? Uh, if not, I'll be there. I can stop on my way from work in the morning. Because if they still did, they have the small batch and the single barrel yesterday. Mm-hmm. Can you grab me one of each? Mm-hmm. or i'll just go over there today and get them because i want them that bad yeah <laughs> i'll let you know what happens yeah let me know if not we'll do it in the morning see, see what kind of mood eden's in after i pick her up from daycare uh but here's here's something else that i this is a what am i gonna drink and this is gonna get cracked for this my bourbon weekend as well did you see our little back and forth with swan last night uh i got i got I fell asleep and I got behind on the chat. So Swan <clears throat> is up in Michigan right now. And as one does when you're a bourbon fan like we are, uh, he went and did a little hunting. And he stopped in at a store called the Ann Arbor Party Center. Okay. And he found a Knob Creek single barrel. Now that's an old, old label. It's not just the old, old label. It's from the second year that they ever did single barrels. So on the back is a date code 
which you can't see can't from see over from there. It says 2011. So, it's, again, second year that they were doing single barrels for Knob Creek at Jim Beam, which also means... It means what year was that distilled? 2002, which is two years before Booker No passed away, which means that it's got, it's got Booker bourbon in Booker it. Booker juice in it. Mm. <laughs> so we're going to... I, I want to save some because it's also it also came out the year that I graduated from high school. And I want to save some of that bottle, hold on to it, hold hold it back. But we are definitely cracking it at the meetup. Nice at the end of the month. I like so that. that's crazy. Yeah. So yeah. that was just sitting there. Yeah, there were a couple. I got you one. You don't know what you got till it's gone. <laughs> Sorry, that's okay. It just sounded like the guy who's never heard that song trying to sing it. <laughs> um. But yeah, there were there were two. I got one, and Fred Gilbert got one. Mm. Thanks, so. appreciate you. Yeah. About me. Sure. yeah. Well, well, yeah. you'll still get to try it. It's ours. I'm just playing. Okay. Well, let's get into some news, shall we? Tell me about it. Heaven Hill is building a second distillery in Bardstown. A, a pretty daggone big one. A big one. A big one. 135 million dollars worth. Of distillery uh, located on a 61 acre site uh, and they're going to begin at 10 million proof gallon gallons excuse me annually uh, which is 150,000 barrels per year dang and they're aiming to go for 450,000 that's like 20 more screw top bottled and bonds coming out <laughs> soon right <laughs> uh, this is new distillery bottled and bond <laughs> out of out of, out of heaven hill heaven hill um that's crazy though i'm i'm pretty impressed yeah. with this and i mean i'm i'm excited for it but here's the thing we were talking about it in our group chat and the point came up that <laughs> heaven hill doesn't exactly have the best track record over the past couple of years so is this just more of an excuse for them to treat more employees badly or uh, should we look at this just from a more, purely more positive opportunities for people to yeah i don't know yeah i don't know i guess we always want to look at the bright side of things you know? i'm trying to yeah oh i forgot i forgot one thing i was drinking what? sorry what? i hate to backtrack a little bit but i uh, josh from tell me i'm wrong's wedding was this uh past saturday you drink mcultra or something i did have a mcultra because <laughs> i'm watching my figure i uh, <laughs> Which is why my back hurts right now. But I also uh, they had a they had a Kentucky Mule as well as one of their signature cocktails. Oh, and it was delicious. And I actually tried. So I went to the bartender and I was like, "Can I just get the bourbon neat?" I was like, "I'm an idiot." But it was old Bardstown bottled a bond from Willet. Oh yeah, I hadn't had that neat in it's so, so long. It's so good. It's really really good. It is. I was so surprised by it, but. Anyway, I, I highly recommend that bottle. I love it. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. Back to all right. Back, back. to stuff. Um, yeah, we want to we want to look at the <laughs> the positives of this and everything. But I mean, overall, it's uh, I don't know. Time will tell. Time will tell. That being said, very excited. Always want to see more bourbon from one of our favorite distilleries. Yes, of course. Uh, I think that we're going to be getting to this in just a little bit, but. 
just in case. Oh, no, we're not. So we're going to talk about this uh, separate from our uh, our releases that are coming out. But New Riff has a new take on their malted rye whiskey. Oh, I saw this. Coming out. I saw this. Finished in Spanish sherry casks. Hmm. Uh, I'm really, really excited about this. Um, I really like sherry finishing. Uh, it's 100% malted rye that was distilled in 2014, um, which means that this is stuff that's getting close to seven. Yeah, eight. Almost eight. Yeah, yeah. that's crazy, man. Um, say how long it was finished for. Uh, let's see. 12 Oloroso and three Jimenez casks were filled with whiskey and aged another year. No, wait. Hold on. Let me back up. New Riff's first batches of 100% malted dry whiskey were distilled in 2014, and the initial release landed in May 2021 for this sherry-finished elaboration. I don't feel like elaboration was the right word there. New Riff imported custom-made 53-gallon Spanish sherry casks and filled them with five-year-old New Riff malted dry whiskey. Twelve Oloroso and three Pedro Jimenez casks were filled with whiskey and aged another year before being vatted in the fall of 2021 and left to marry and condition together for several months uh following months excuse me until they were bottled in so spring of 22 age six years essentially yeah um i mean i think we have to go with a five-year-old age statement um just because like that's when it's stopped being called straight rye whiskey right <laughs> but uh regardless but it was yeah, it's about six years old six years yeah ago. uh and it's gonna be bottled at 112.7 proof oh that's almost at your proof point well, that's really just for the bourbon with me. Oh. I don't. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, no. I don't know much about like their their rye at that higher proof. I feel like I've only had lower proof single barrels, and then of course their bottle and bond rye whiskey. Um, but this is going to be released at sixty five dollars a bottle, and I think we need to get some. <laughs> uh, I'm on the club, so I'll probably get one. Well, we are also good friends with the folks over at their PR team. Oh, so. Oh. <laughs> so <laughs> oh. <laughs> moving on <laughs> let's talk about some releases let's do it uh there is a new blackened whiskey what's this one is this one finished in something else it's a straight rye oh it's called blackened rye the lightning the lightning 90 proof non-age stated 70 bucks a bottle <laughs> Should be out right now in a limited capacity. Uh, their latest limited edition whiskey features rise aged for five to eight years, which are finished in Madeira wine and Caribbean rum casks for 12, or excuse me, two to 14 weeks. Let's say where it's sourced from. Uh, Kentucky. Mm, where was Willet? I, if it's not Willet, I would say it's probably Bardstown Bourbon Company. Yeah. Because there's actually a lot of newer sourced products sourced at least 95.5 ryes that are kentucky ryes but they're from bardstown bourbon company company yeah, it's like Golly. six to eight years though uh five to eight five to eight do they I have mean, that old at bardstown i want to say yes not oh uh maybe it is will it then could be that makes way more sense yeah yeah we're gonna go with saying it's will it We'll find out. Don't tell me I'm wrong. <laughs> I refuse. <laughs> I will not listen to you. I won't listen. Uh, let's see. Stranahan's has a new American single malt coming out from Colorado. Colorado. It's an extra and yeho tequila cask finish. 
I mean, I want to try it. 90 proof, 70 bucks, available next month at the distillery. Um, I need to try something tequila finish because... Tequila. I don't know. Something... I like the tequila finished in the bourbon barrels, but I don't think I've had tequila... I mean, bourbon, bourbon finished, finished in, in tequila. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You want something else real quick while yeah. we're finishing up the TTB labels? Uh, these are This is from our friends over at High Acres and Reading Liquors. It's a Rebel Cast pick. Oh, it's got Rogue One on it. It's got Rogue One on the back. I figured it was appropriate for Star Wars Day. I, I like that they didn't like try to like call it something. They were just like Rebel Barrel pick. Yep. <laughs> like, that's it, boys. <laughs> All right. TTB labels. We got a gold label, Barrel Craft Spirit Seagrass. What's this, the $900 one? I guess so. Woohoo! 20 year old. 20 year old rye whiskey. Uh, it says on the back this limited edition 20 year old blend features our oldest, rarest stocks of meticulously sourced Canadian rye whiskeys. This exceptional whiskey was bottled at cast strength, so you can experience its true texture and flavor. And it looks like it's going to be 128.12 proof. Ooh. So I am down for that. Um, we're going to have to, of course, get some samples of that from the uh, the folks over at, at Joe. Old at Joe. Old Joe. I see the fi- the 16-year one sitting right in front of me. I do like that one. Mm-hmm. Let's lump a couple together, shall we? Lump them. Lump. 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 I didn't lump. like the way that it sounded like a command. <laughs> lump them. Uh, we got a few... <laughs> Jeez. We've got a few releases from Rabbit Hole on the horizon. One is a single barrel cast strength bourbon finished in PX sherry casks. It's going to be bottled at 105 proof. Uh, it doesn't look like there's an age statement on it, but it is straight bourbon. So, uh, And it looks like it's going to maintain the, uh, the Alice in Wonderland thing. This one's called the Caterpillar. Man, I was hoping they would take our Ninja Turtle and Avengers idea and run with it. So I would love that. Uh, I am going to have a tough time pronouncing this one, but oh. it's a double barrel Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey finished in... Wait, is it double barrel? No, okay, so it's it's finished. <laughs> it's finished in cognac casks, but it's listed as double barrel. I don't know if that... Is that the same thing? I don't know. I mean, if you take it out of the bourbon and put it in the finishing True. and it's technically double barrel i guess you're right uh geez louise there's a lot of stuff on this table <laughs> and there's one less thing on the table now probably for the best um golly man and there goes another one i don't think it broke i think it just fell whatever um it's called <laughs> <laughs> whatever i don't care fallus run <clears throat> f-o-l-l-e-s-r-u-n-n fallus no, Fallis. Oh. Uh, three, it's only coming out in 375s. Oh. Okay. Say a price. No. Oh, we're on No, labels. it's just TTB labels. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, keep up, Eric. Uh, sorry, sorry, <laughs> sorry, sorry. And speaking of tequila cask finish. Tequila. Sol Verde. Kentucky Straight Rye Whiskey. Mm-hmm. Also apparently cast strength. And that's it. Uh, it says it's going to be 95 proof. I don't see how they're doing... Cast strength and 95 proof, but I guess we'll find out together. 
So, <laughs> oh no, Old Forester's getting in on the uh, mesquite-filtered uh, bourbon trend as well uh, with something called King King Ranch. Long Branch? King Ranch. Long Branch? Long Branch. <laughs> Isn't that Long Branch? Pretty much. 105 proof, uh, pr- a proprietary batch using heavily charred barrels filtered through King Ranch mesquite charcoal. Uh, Old Forester King Ranch Edition celebrates the union of two iconic American brands with over 300 years of combined history. Each is woven into the nation's fabric. Old Forester, the first bottled bourbon, and King Ranch, the birthplace of American ranching. Uh, trademark. <laughs> this That was not a complete sentence, Old Forester. This expression is a homage to the values that bring them together, including hard work, ingenuity, and a lasting legacy. Oh, no. He's back. You have failed me for the last time, old Forrester. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> we'll see about it. We'll certainly see about it. I got a couple that I'm going to save until the end. Because I'm so... One I'm confused by, one I'm really, really excited <laughs> I by. Gonna, I was going to say, is this good or bad? Some. Some, yes. Uh, old Carter's got a new... It looks like a new batch of uh, American whiskey mm. coming out. Uh, 124 proof mm-hmm. barrel strength. Did you guys try this at uh, Whiskey Weekend? No, it's a 13 year old. The only one we had was that single barrel bourbon. Oh, that yeah, that's right. I'll let you try that. You, yeah, that you let me try. Could you just let you finish your sentence? But instead, I wanted I, I grew okay. impatient. Anyway, yeah. <laughs> two more. Enjoy. No, no, no. <laughs> Growing up, up. no, stop it. (laughs) Growing up, the oldest of three. This is one of my pet peeves. Like when little little brothers and sisters start doing that to you, and you're like, just. I can't see the screen. Would you like to do this? Uh, I can't see the screen. (laughs) I'll stop. Uh, We got two barrel whiskey private releases. Uh, One is finished in a Calvados cask, and the other is finished in. A Malmsey Madeira barrel. Mumsy? Mumsy? Mumsy. Uh, the Madeira is 126.52. Yeah, there we go. And the <clears throat> Calvados is 127.94. Uh, so this is just part of their private release series. Um, we have some samples from previous years. Uh, but I would be very much interested in trying these. It looks like a new brand... Out of uh, out of old Lawrenceburg, but being bottled by a company in Baltimore. What? It's another Baltimore's finest, or whatever the <laughs> heck it was last week. Baltimore's finest this from is Kentucky. A, a barrel-proof, unfiltered straight rye whiskey. Uh, it's under the label of Sherbrook. Sherbert. Sherbrook. Sorry, Sherbrook. There's no second R. <laughs> um, this whiskey is fourteen. You know, it's funny because he doesn't listen anymore, so we just get the yeah. Anyway. <laughs> This whiskey is 14 years old. 95.5. What did I say? 108 proof. So, there you go. Um, Compose yourself. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Do you want to talk about the one that's confusing me first? Yes. All right. Good. Because I don't know what's happening here. I think I kind of do, but I also kind of don't. And I'm very... Let's just talk about it. So... 
Buffalo Trace has filed a new label for Old Rip Van Winkle tenure. Oh, I saw this. And it's 90.4 proof. Yeah, what's up with that? So 90.4 proof apparently was the old proof that they, they bottled it at. And then they, or I guess it was what it was at Stitzel Weller. Yeah. But then they bumped it up to 107. So I what what I'm seeing here is one of two things. Either they are changing the proof, and also the the labels seem to indicate that they are going back to the squatty bottle. I saw that it was way different shape than yeah, because yeah. it's got that same neck <clears throat> tag that went around. Because now, like, oh, I I think it's essentially the same shape as like what Heaven Hill is using with the old Fitz Prime bottles. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's got that same neck tag yeah. that the old squatty bottles used to have. So the either either they're doing away with the old Rip Van Winkle tenure as it is now at 107 proof and replacing it with this kind of return to form 90.4 proof or they've got they're going to have two 10-year-old old Rip Van Winkle products and they're going to spread their stock even thinner than it already is. I would be more willing to bet that they are just returning to the 90.4 proof. And the reason is because they are seeing, of course, the demand for it. 90.4 proof means more water added to it. So in that way, they're going to have more bottles to sell. That seems more like the move that Sazerac would make (laughs) than trying to put two bottles of the same product out. And the only difference would be bottle shape and proof unless they were trying to do something that came out like every month or something i uh, they would be insane I to know, do that but wouldn't that be i mean it would be cool. cool it'd be really cool but, but i i just i don't know how do you feel about this do you think that they're actually <clears throat> going to be getting rid of the 107 proof or um i don't feel like it i feel like this is something new in my head i want it to be something like Oh, we're going to put out something that's available. Well, you know, it probably won't be available, but it's going to be, it's going to be out there, maybe a couple of times a year instead of just that one time a year with Pappy releases. That's what I would like to see, just because it's so different. But at the same time, you it could very well just be them changing it. I don't know. I would like to see something that I could hunt for a couple of times a year, just because it's weeded bourbon. I like weeded bourbon. Yeah. But I don't know. I don't know how their stuff works. Sometimes they're just out to piss the world off, I think. Or the bourbon world. I don't know. I, I'm... Probably some kind of secret empire plan or something. <laughs> yes. The dark side. Gotta make sure the plans secret are safe. The, force. the dark side. You won't get away this time. Yes. Buffalo. <laughs> Buffalo Trace. All right, two products that I'm really excited about. Yay! Uh, one more so than the other, just because I've been waiting for this for a really long time, and this the, the first one just sounds really good. Uh, this is a Bardstown Bourbon Company, West Virginia Great Barrel Company, blended rye whiskey finished in infrared toasted cherry oak barrels. <laughs> laser beams. <laughs> Freaking laser beams on this pew, shit. Pew, 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 pew. 
Uh, one ten proof. The Bardstown Bourbon Company's collaborative series is a celebration of kindred spirits. Yada yada yada. Savor the latest addition to this innovative series with our most unique release yet. Working with the West Virginia Great Barrel Company, the nation's most advanced cooperage, we fill cherry and oak hybrid barrels charred with uh, using state-of-the-art infrared technology. With six-year-old Indiana rye for 10 weeks, we then blend 12-year-old Canadian whiskey for a flavor that is unlike anything you've tasted in this series. Enjoy. I'll be the judge of that. <laughs> we'll find out together. But here's the thing, though. Oh, I know what you're getting ready to You know to what read. I'm about to say. Mm-hmm. And I almost I shed a little tear when I, I read this for the first time. Bardstown Bourbon Company Origin Series Bottled and Bond Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey 100 Proof 6 years old Bardstown Bourbon Company Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey You know what makes me more excited? Just their product You know what, what? makes me more excited? What? It's a weeder, baby It's a weeder! Give me that wheat! I hope it's okay, though I mean, like, 6 years old I think it's gonna be pretty good I'm imagining that, it, you know, towards, like, 10 years old It's gonna be even better um, but I don't think that they. I think that they have a good sense of what people like, and I don't think they would have put it out if yeah. they didn't were ready for it. Um, can we talk? I, I want to talk about this for a second. Talk to me. And it's been kind of running through my my brain for a couple of weeks ever since I I heard him say this. But Fred Minnick was doing a live stream, and he got asked by somebody. What releases it was like, are you excited for this specific release? And it generally turned into a conversation about what releases are you excited for typically? And his response was, I don't get excited about releases anymore. I really just get excited about things like seeing my family. And in some ways, I I totally get that. But I think that you lose the the steam and the excitement and the drive for why we do anything remotely related to this if you look at every single product and just go all right i mean am i am i wrong no, like that's, is that that's like he said i don't get excited about just releases is that what he yeah. said i don't know that's kind of like, like new pro- new products that's kind of like being a fan of movies and being like, there's a new Star Wars coming out. And it being like me being like a long ter- long life Star Wars fan being like, well, I don't really get excited about new Star Wars stuff. I get excited about like my family. Like what? Like well, it's okay to be excited about something. That doesn't mean you're more excited about it than your family. Yeah. I think that that's where it, it kind of came off weird that's exactly what it sounds like it's like i am only i'm it sounds like he's saying like i i can only be excited and put like all this love into like my personal like family stuff which is perfectly fine because that's what me and you both do too but it's still okay to be excited about something else yeah and i i I think too that we we are probably colored by the fact that what we do is not necessarily a hundred percent our job yeah, true. Right? I mean, this isn't where all of our income comes from. This isn't the thing that we kind of have to wake up in the morning and do to ensure that our family can survive. Mm-hmm. So if that's where he's coming from, I totally get that. 
and I'm not trying to knock on him for saying that his family is more important than his his work because that absolutely should be where you're coming from. Right, but exactly, like I I think that we as almost ambassadors for the bourbon industry, and that has given us a lot of weight and for for what we do. But I do think that it's not terribly far off from kind of the role that we we tend to play, but. I think that if we say things like, I don't get excited anymore, I don't find excitement in new releases, then why would, why would anybody else? Like, yeah, if exactly. I heard If I heard you or somebody I listen to say that, then I'll be like, they obviously are just doing this because they feel like they have to. Exactly. And I am into bourbon because I'm having fun. Yeah. And, and I love Fred. I've said this a bajillion times. I respect the heck out of the guy. Uh, it's just like, I... I just don't i just don't agree with them well, on that like you're allowed to, you're allowed to car- compartmentalize we have excited hobbies and we have stuff yeah. that's fun that's not necessarily our family 24 7 yeah it doesn't mean we're not putting all our focus on our family but it's okay to say yeah i'm 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 i can't wait to do this especially when somebody asked you that like yeah. it's like what are you excited for i don't get excited about this stuff i was like okay well i don't really want to listen to you anymore then so. All that being said, I'm really excited for this product. Oh, I'm excited too. <laughs> and like, that's that's I think where my brain kind of went, where I was like, but how could you, as a bourbon fan, a bourbon drinker, right, as a fan, see this yeah. as something that we've been waiting a long time for, and not go and and sure we just had our issues with Castle and Key's first two batches of bourbon, but there was still an excitement for me because it was bourbon coming from Castle and Key. But there are there are times where, you know, we could be let down. But I think that, you know, Bardstown has done enough legwork to prove that what they are making and what they are doing goes a long way to be respected and a long way to be excited for. So I think in this case, it, it, it's OK to get excited about it. But yeah. get excited. I don't know. It's okay. And I am excited, man. I, I can't wait for this. I'm going to do everything I can to get. As many, <laughs> we need to see if they're doing like an event, like oh to for kick sure, it off. for sure. Uh, and again, I, we're we're good friends with their PR people. All right, I am so excited to be welcoming Heather Wibbles to the podcast, also known, also known as the Cocktail Contessa. Heather has a brand new book out. It's called Bourbon Is My Comfort Food. It is really, really cool and really good. It is the most in depth guide I feel like to making bourbon cocktails that i have seen so far but uh heather thank you so much for being with me of course absolutely my pleasure i love it's, talking cocktails and bourbon so this is like the perfect marriage of my favorite things all together at once that's, that's exactly what we're here to do and i, I want to talk about specifically uh, the the recipe that you have for your perfect old-fashioned because yes. I am, I am, if nothing else, definitely an old-fashioned drinker. I love expand, expanding, but stepping out a little bit more towards like uh, your your Keeneland breezes when it's a little bit warmer, or something like a Manhattan. If I'm just feeling like even like a little bit classier, but even then, it's just kind of like it's it's cocktail. Like we, you know, <laughs> we're trying oh, yeah, to, to we're trying to dispel some of the myth around you know uh, the the classiness, the highfalutinness of it all. Um, but so this is this is in your book. I believe it's page eighty five or no sixty two. Wow, All way right. off. Okay, that's fine. Uh, for anybody who wants to follow along, 
I'm going to get mine out too. So I'm looking at the right one. (laughs) You called it the perfect old fashioned. It says this variation is my absolute favorite. I use light brown sugar, uh, simple syrup, 100 proof bourbon and a combination of aromatic and orange bitters. And right off the bat, my first inclination was she does simple syrup the way that I prefer to do it. And that's with brown sugar. That that to me is the only way to make simple syrup, simple syrup anymore. Excuse me. Um, Just because it's that little bit extra oomph behind it. And and yeah, I don't go like super crazy with uh, with old fashions with like muddling fruit or anything. I just really like to keep it, you know, the the three main ingredients bourbon, simple syrup, and bitters. Uh, mm-hmm. Because I think after that, it it, it just kind of like, it, it, it messes with the integrity of the cocktail. It can. It can, yeah. absolutely. And, you know, one of the reasons, I don't always, in all of the cocktails in this book, I don't always say exactly which expression of bourbon that I prefer. But for this one, because it is literally my perfect old-fashioned, I do prefer Old Forester 100. For one thing, it's widely available. It sure. drives me crazy when people make cocktails and it's some rare expression I'll never be able to get my hands on. And they can describe it eloquently, but sure. I'll never be able to experience. <laughs> so, you know, for me, having you know having a cocktail like this, it's... You can pretty much get anywhere you want in the U.S. Um, And that the brown sugar simple syrup is really something that I think ties into um, both the aromatics of the bitters, right? Because it has a little bit of that molasses in it, a little bit of spice in it. But the brown sugar also ties into the flavors of the bourbon. So it ties into that caramel note that you get from Old Forester, which ties into that. Um, I get a lot of raisin and dried fruit from Old Forester 100. Um, oh, some yeah, banana. absolutely. absolutely. But, but those three tie together and it's like a perfect marriage of like a rum raisin, you know, something where you get all of these little notes that come up as you're drinking it. Yeah. And as it dilutes more and more over the ice, you get a little bit more fruitiness and some of the bitters recede. And so it's a, it's more of an evolving drink. I think when you make it with a, with a brown sugar, simple syrup, I, I personally, I love brown sugar, simple syrup in my old fashions. Some people would consider that a travesty, but my whole mantra is your palate is your own. So drink it how you like it. Yeah, exactly. And, and I can't imagine because it's, the only thing that you've changed from what I guess a standard old fashioned would be is you're not using white sugar. You're using brown sugar. I mean, like, it's just, but you know, it, does, but does it really change the, the, the whole composition of the drink so much that people should, you know, get up in arms about it? Cause I, I feel like not personally. Well, no, but some people really, they're in love with the muddled old fashioned where you put the sugar cube in, mm. you muddle it to make the simple okay. syrup right there, you know, all a minute at the time. And I, don't like crunchies in my cocktail. I'll be <laughs> completely honest. I don't like old fashions for that. I get to the end of it and I'm sipping on chunks of sugar. I, I it is. It. Yeah. It's not my thing. I I'm fine. If the last sip tastes different than the first, that's fine. I expect yeah, that because of, of dilution. Right. Yeah. But I don't want the texture to be wildly different between the two. So, so that's, that's kind of where I fall on that, you know? Yeah, and, and I get it. I, I really love I love doing cocktails with whiskey people. And I'll tell you why whiskey people know what they like, first of all, and they also know the notes that they like in a particular bourbon. Right. Yeah. So if you like, like what's your favorite daily drinker of the past couple of weeks? I right now. And and I actually made my, my old fashioned with it, but Knob Creek single barrel. Yeah. So what are the big notes that you get in that when you make it? Um, I, I really look at that 
uh, just, I, I mean, aside from it being just like a standard bourbon profile with, you know, heavy caramel, vanilla and oak notes, um, mm-hmm. I, the, the like Jim Beam nuttiness of it all, uh, it really is just something else that I think kind of allows it to, to function, not just as a, a neat sipper, but in cocktails as well. And like, as, as far as like this one goes, you know, I, I also lean into like, I like a more citrusy old fashioned. So mm-hmm. playing, playing with those, those darker notes as well as the brighter expressive notes of, you know, the, the orange zest. Uh, I was like, I'm, I'm okay with this. I can, you know, yeah. I, I like where this is going and everything, but uh, yeah, I'm a big Knob Creek single barrel fan. Yeah. See when you, when I talk to a whiskey drinker and they can tell me all the notes in that whiskey, then I know that if you took that and you added some nut bitters, like I have some coffee pecan yeah. bitters, they would be fabulous with Ooh. that. So you could take, yeah, they're really Ooh. good. Um, <laughs> yeah, they're dangerously good. In fact, um, or black walnut bitters would be nice in there with the orange. I did a whole class last week on exploring bitters and old fashions, and we did four different sets of bitters in the old fashioned. And then we added four more to those so you oh had gosh. the, we had like the, we had the taste experience of tasting eight different old fashions and they were right. all half old fashions, you know, cause we wanted people to be able to get home from the event. Well, sure. But, yeah, of course. <laughs> but the, but when you walk people through experiencing what one element change does to an old fashioned, like the bitters, it is so much fun to watch yeah. them experience it and then figure out why well, I don't like that. And I say, that's okay. Not everybody's going to like it try this one. Oh my yeah. God, that's the best one yet. So like whiskey, I think cocktails are a journey and an exploration and you develop your palate as you go along. Yeah. I, I now feel the need to go out and get, you know, nuttier bitters now because that just, I mean, again, it's right up my alley. So I'd, I'd definitely be interested in that. I, I have to ask you though, is there a point where it, it becomes like, at, at what point, I guess, does it become too many bitters? Like, are, are you, you know, pretty freewheeling with it? Or do you find that there is a, a better, more curated balance that just kind of comes with experimentation? I would say there's absolutely a balance, but I will also say that balance is different person to person. Sure. I really love black Manhattans, Amari, things with a, a good um, depth to them, which I think bitters and Amari can bring. But if I'm making them for my family, like my husband or my mom, they don't really love all that bitterness. And so for them, I dial back on the bitters, but there is a point at which there simply are too many bitters. However, yeah. I will say, having said that, there are people who make entire cocktails with like Angostura bitters, like not as bitters, but as the base spirit. That's insane and to me. That's so, so crazy. So I will tell you this, I was doing, we had a bourbon women sort of YouTube presentation on bitters and I was filming it at home and I thought, well, I'll try Angostura bitters on their own. So I popped the dasher top off and put it in a little shot class. And I was like, okay, everybody, I'm going to take a sip of this and we're going to see what it tastes like. And I, (laughs) I'm like, (coughs) oh, it's a little bit bitter. I'm going to be right back. And I had mistake. I made, I made a terrible mistake, you all. And I really had to turn off the camera and kind of come back about 15 or 20 minutes later once oh my, my throat had recovered. <laughs> but it was hilarious because you don't really think about consuming bitters that way. Most people don't know really how to consume bitters or how to test their cocktail ingredients. And, you know, I just consider myself a cocktail educator. If I can get people interested in playing around with cocktail ingredients or playing around with 
different whiskeys and something, I think I've succeeded. So what, what is then the, the best way to experiment with your, your cocktail ingredients? Because I do, you know, I, I think that it is, I mean, especially based on your experience, nobody wants to drink bitters straight. I mean, you know, it's just not, it's not anything that anybody wakes up and says, I'm going to choose this lifestyle today. Um, (laughs) But I I mean, is it, is it micro batching? Is it just trying to, you know, go through um, experimentation with everything, uh, trial and error, or, you know, is, is there something that's more specific to, you know, working through those ingredients? I will say that that for whiskey cocktails, because there are some very common templates, the old fashioned, the Manhattan, the highball, you have these templates that you can play with. Yeah. And, and some people really want the whiskey to be overpowering. They want it to taste like they're, like they're drinking whiskey neat. Yeah. Cocktail is never going to taste exactly like drinking whiskey neat, but they want that like visceral experience mm-hmm. for people like that. You have to stay away from highly bitter and highly sweet and highly sour elements that can overpower the whiskey. There are some people who really like the balance between a, you know, a nicely, you know, maybe a, I call it mid proof, like 95 to 105 proof bourbon that they like in their cocktails. It's good. They can taste it really well, but it balances. So I think it is, it is to everyone's preference. But what I usually do is if I get flavors that I know will go well together, I sit and play with the ratios. And so I may make three or four Mm. different half cocktails and taste them all. Or, um, what I really love to do, which is fascinating and which I think every time I do it with whiskey drinkers, they're like, Oh my God, that's the coolest thing ever (laughs) is I create the exact same cocktail with a different whiskey base and make like four or five of them. And it is invariable that no one version will win if I have more than three people. Like I I will like one, somebody else will like another one, but you can taste different notes in each one. And the only thing that's changed is the bourbon in it or the rye whiskey or, or adding a split base where it's half bourbon, half rye or half bourbon, half mezcal, you know, it's crazy. I have never done a split base before. And honestly, what? like that's that. Yeah, exactly. Like that's a that is a very fresh term to me as well. But I I love the idea of that I mean, like, you know, you can go easy and take something like high West Boo Rye and it's just kind of already made for you. But at the same time, I think that that's I mean, taking you I, and of course, my my brain initially goes to like turkey one-on-one bourbon and turkey one-on-one rye and and yes. throwing those together yes for a, yes, like. yes yes i'm totally so oh, you have to do this okay you have to do this i'm so okay. down for it i'm so okay. down okay, for okay, it okay. so make it with 101 rye make it with 101 bourbon and make it with half 101 and i would make actually an old-fashioned because i think uh wild turkey 101 has a little bit too much punch for a Manhattan, unless you really soften it with an Amaro, but I think it really works. This could really work well with an old fashioned or with a whiskey sour. Now a whiskey sour would be fun because you could get the um, citrus notes from the lemon and you could even split base the citrus with lemon and orange, not to blow your mind, but you could do that. 
I mean, this is this is what's going through my head like 24 <laughs> seven. Like I'm sitting there watching TV and I'm like, oh, like, God forbid I watch Justified where they have bottles of whiskey and everything. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, look, they have the wild turkey bottle. I missed that wild turkey bottle. Oh, I, you know, I haven't used wild turkey Russell's Reserve with that kind of cocktail. Well, maybe I could put pineapple in there. I could acid adjust the pineapple. And it's just like. It's like this running dialogue in my head. I love that. I love that. Yeah. that that's um. That reminds me. I guess it was like midway through the the pandemic when people were talking about how some of us don't have inner monologues, but then you know, I, I don't remember if it was like fifty fifty or or what. But like just thinking about the fact, because I'm I'm the same way. Like my brain is just constantly running and thinking about like anybody who doesn't doesn't just have that internalized just blows my mind i don't know how that how they function like how does that work if you can turn it off i've I never been... <laughs> i don't know there's times when i can't go to sleep because i can't turn it off like it's just i, know. <laughs> I always thought that was a human experience but apparently i'm i'm totally wrong about that well it is a largely human experience because i know you and i are not the yeah. only ones that do oh, that no, but yeah, absolutely not i i would totally i would love to hear about your experience doing that with an old-fashioned or a whiskey sour because 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 whiskey drinkers love to drink in flights because of the comparison factor, right? Yeah, so absolutely. You're comparing, even if you just did completely unrelated bourbons and ryes, like Woodford right. rye and, you know, I don't know, not Old Forester because it's like, uh, well, you could do wild turkey uh, bourbon and Woodford rye and then mix them together and see oh, what happens. Heck yeah. Yeah. I remember. Or, I think, I, go ahead. Sorry. Woodford double oat with the rye, because those are two, because those that oh smoke kind of punchy flavor in the double oak with the, with the, um, oh, that might work. I'm, I'm looking over here to see if you, my You Woodford are definitely, as oak. soon as we are done with this call, <laughs> you are going to be doing like three whiskey cocktails just to see if you are on yeah. the right track. I just, I know that that's where your yeah. brain is going. Like, I'm ready to, to get in and experiment with this. <laughs> yeah. and But but see, with, with whiskey drinkers, because they're so used to comparing things in flights, to make a cocktail flight for a whiskey drinker, it's like an eye-opening experience because they can see that one thing, the whiskey sour, can with one little tweak can be three different complete yeah. expressions of a cocktail. Are you very, not to um, jump too far back, but are, are you really specific when it comes to the, the amount of bitters that you add to, to cocktails? I mean, cause I, you know, you see recipes that are like a few dashes of Angostura bitters or a few dashes or like, you know, some uh, blood orange bitters or, or whatever, like, but are, are you, are you trying to to encourage people to be very specific with what it is that they're they're doing as far as crafting their cocktail goes? Well, I I am because if you want to create a cocktail more than once, you have to know what you did the first time. Sure. So unfortunately, a lot of times people are making cocktails at home and after a cocktail or two, they forget to write down exactly what they put into <laughs> the cocktail, which means they may make the most fabulous cocktail of their entire life and they will never be able to recreate it. But they will yeah. always remember that one cocktail they've never been able to recreate. But with for me, with with the book, I usually put exactly how many bitters that I expect people to take for what it worked for me, for the ratios yeah. that I did that I think most people would like. But I will say that, you know, when you first open up a bitters bottle, the bitter dashes aren't as big as when you've got like maybe a half inch or an inch out of the top of it. Right. 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 So when you first open it, the dashes are measly. Right. Yeah. But if you have something that's, you know, 
if it's one of the four or five ounce bottles and you've got maybe between a, a full bottle and maybe like an, a half ounce left in the bottom, you're, you're good. And then right. at the beginning and the end, it's kind of, it's hit or miss how many you're actually <laughs> going to get into the glass. And then I had somebody the other day ask me, he said, can I ask a stupid question? I said, first, there are no stupid questions when it comes to cocktail. He's like, when I dash bitters, I get them all over the place. How do I do bitters dashes and not get them all over my That's counter? a great question. I know. And I said, that is an excellent question. It is absolutely not a simple question. Here's what I do, but I still sometimes get dashes everywhere. So I just show sure. them, you know, I hold it from the bottom. I turn it completely 180 over and I dash down once and do it back. I don't do the little pouring motion where you kind of pour it out of the top. Oh, when you okay. do that, do you know what I mean? Cause if yeah, you, I know exactly you kind of what you're talking it, about. Yeah. Uh, if you kind of just tip it over. Cause that's it, what I did it goes earlier. Everywhere. That's what I did yeah. earlier. And, I, and not that it got, you know, not that I was having to clean the entire kitchen because mm -hmm. of it, but yeah, it, like as I was doing it, I was like, there's gotta be a better way to just, you know, yeah. be more <laughs> deliberate about it. So that's, that's perfect. That's exactly yeah. what I think people are, are looking for, man. Yeah. It, it's, it's things like that. And like I, uh, Susan Riegler was one of the first readers of the book and she said, I had no idea that a dash was equal to eight to 10 drops. I'm like, yeah, I, I look, I figured that out. I looked it up online. Mm. I tried to figure out exactly what a, a drop was so that I could convert. I was working on converting a, um, a recipe to a batch and I needed to figure out exactly how oh, many, okay. how much I needed in terms of grams or ounces or whatever I was working with for this cocktail. It was going to be yeah. for about 30 or 40 people. Sorry, I thought you had more to say. That's why I took a sip of my drink. No, I'm glad you're enjoying it. <laughs> no, I, I am. It's just, I was like, oh, she's she's got a little. Anyway, I, 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 let's, now that we're on the topic of Susan Reckler, um, we, we now have to talk about bourbon women. Because I, I, first and foremost, Peggy and Susan are two of my favorite people in the entire world. And I'm, I'm so, so fortunate to have gotten to know them and, and be close with Peggy in, in some regard as well. And just, you know, it, it's, it's such a cool community too. And I think that it, it's, despite the fact that it is called bourbon women, it just feels so inclusive, right? Mm -hmm. And, and the reach is not just to encourage women to, to drink bourbon. It's just establishing the fact that the, the community at large is in fact, a bunch of different people and mm -hmm. and i just what what is your oh and it sounds like you're you you're in mostly agreement with me as well but specifically what has your experience been with with bourbon women and and those wonderful people in it well i'm actually managing director of bourbon women now so are you really i, was, I didn't know that yeah i i was on the board for uh about three years last year i was chair of the board <laughs> and then this year I'm doing uh, managing director work. So as our organization has grown over the years, I mean, we started in 2011. We had our 10 year anniversary last year. Yeah. You know, we have hundreds of members. We are now across the country. So we have 14 chapters in different. I think most of the chapters are in different states. So I think we're in 13 or 14 states. So we have this really broad array. And I think when it started, we really thought it would mostly be a Kentucky organization. Right. So when we started... Right. You know, we're like, well, people, women are drinking bourbon here. We need to celebrate that. And it's never been about being a drinking club. It's always been about bourbon education and bourbon experience and specifically bourbon hospitality, because yeah. I think that 
the whiskey community is always about hospitality and making people feel welcome. And I think at the time that Bourbon Women was started, um, women were being overlooked and we wanted to sure, bring yeah, women into the conversation. Right. So and, and now that to a large extent is much better. Right. The people who are working for the brand, the people who are working in distributing, there are all levels of the industry which have much better um there are doing much better in hiring women and having women actually work in the organization than it was 10 years ago. Now, is, is there still room for progress? Absolutely. Of course. But I think yeah. that, you know, for bourbon women, it was never really about just being a drinking club where we got together and we got to drink whiskey. It was always yeah. about learning about the people who make it, learning about how to blend it, learning about food pairings, learning about all the different things that go into what makes bourbon special and Susan and Peggy specifically, you know, both of them were responsible for this book. Yeah. Yeah. Of course. <laughs> we, had, we had our 10 year anniversary. It was coming up and they're like, we should have a book. Hey, Heather. <laughs> <laughs> the, the, you have about, you know, no pressure, no pressure, no but pressure. this has to be the bourbon women cocktail book. So exactly. no pressure the, at all. They're like, hey, you you have about like, you know, 50 to 100 cocktail recipes. And at that point, you know, because the pandemic, I'd been really doing it for a yeah, while. And I'm course. like, oh, yeah, yeah. And they're like, hey, we think we think we need a book and we think you should write a cocktail book. And I'm like, I didn't really ask a lot of questions because when Peggy and Susan come and ask you to do something, you say yes. Absolutely. Right? Cause, Absolutely. Because even it's it's something that you've never done before. You're like, well, you know. They'll answer questions. Yeah. They'll figure yeah. it out. They're going to mentor me. It'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. So no. So I, <laughs> yeah. So, so that's how the book really came about. And it was, once I started working on it, I thought, well, you know, there are other books that are just bourbon recipes, but there is, aren't any books that really encourage people who are in the whiskey community or people who are in the cocktail community to kind of think about them in a broader sense and really discover yeah. how their own palates work and, Bourbon, I, I think bourbon can be a little bit different in cocktails than other spirits, because although the ways you can make it are relatively like there's a, a, a there's not a large set of ways and set of flavors, set of ways you can make bourbon, but there are a large set of flavors that you can get out of it as a spirit. Right, yeah. And I think, you know, ha having a book, a cocktail book specifically that talks about that and celebrates that can hopefully bring a lot to the industry. I mean, I would love to see this book in every distillery's gift shop because I think oh, it absolutely. can expand the world of who exactly can call themselves a whiskey drinker, right? Because yeah. right now you call yourself a whiskey drinker, people think you're drinking whiskey neat. And, and I don't think it needs to be that way. I think if you like bourbon cocktails, call yourself a whiskey drinker, call yourself yeah. a bourbon drink. Well, in, in the uh, kind of media package that I got sent over before the before we sat down to do this one of them was or one of the items within it was uh your your five myths of bourbon yeah. um which and and that was one of them that you you have to be a neat bourbon drinker to call yourself a bourbon drinker and and it's one of those things where like I, I think that it is so ingrained in us that until we take the the time to like step back and think about it then we realize that that is inherently a fallacy and that you you have to just allow yourself to kind of retrain your brain to think yeah. that's not true. That's just not true. Like you can the and and it's it's the the quote that I think everybody comes back to now ever since Neat came out. But Freddie Johnson saying, drink your bourbon just the way you like it. 
like oh. that's and and it's not to say that you're drink you're not drinking bourbon if you're doing it in a cocktail it's just you're doing it differently than neat bourbon drinkers and there's something to be celebrated in that as well and yeah. and I do think that it's you know very much part of the the diversity of what makes bourbon drinkers bourbon drinkers and and I want to I want to talk about something uh, as well and this this is slightly on the the more serious side but I do think that it begs to be talked about especially as we're we're discussing things like still needing to view more progress in mm-hmm. in the bourbon industry and a couple weeks ago of course is when the news dropped about Ebony Major and her mm-hmm. her lawsuit with with Diageo over the way that she was treated a bullet it, and and I feel like no matter how many steps forward we take it's like every now and then there just gets like a few steps that knock us backwards i mean like it what I, and I and I know I think initially what the response from Bourbon Women as a whole was, but where where did you guys kind of find yourself within that narrative, and and have you have you looked at ways to, you know, kind of assist her along along this yeah. journey too? You know, there's always there's always a need for progress, right? And and there are always going to be steps that that take us back from where we want to be. Yeah. But I think it's really important as a community to look at ways we can do better in the future. And so one of the things that, you know, we really want to do and we really want to see is just from here forward, where do we go from here? What are the kind of changes that we can make in the industry? And so some of the things that, you know, some of the things, this is a heavy topic, right? So it it is. And I I apologize for kind of like, hard hard left turn into it but i yeah. do think that it is it is unavoidable in some in some capacity mm-hmm. because it's very current and it is something that does you know lean it lend itself towards what we've been talking about already yeah and and i really i think that you know what any organization has to do whether it's bourbon women whether it's you know um any kind of whiskey community organization they really have to look at um what, where we need to go moving forward. Like, what can we do moving from here forward? You can't always change what happened in the past, but what you can do is change and bring awareness to the way things are right now. And I think, you know, issues like this really bring awareness to the fact that we're not where we want to be and, yeah. and we do need to make progress. And, you know, just getting, just getting more eyes on the subject, just raising awareness. I think that does a lot to, um, not necessarily solve the problem, but start the conversation that the, that can then solve the problem. That that I think is the the biggest hurdle to to overcome is that you know it it does make people uncomfortable to have these conversations, and it's important, especially in this regard, to be uncomfortable and to ask questions mm-hmm. not only of the, those around you but also yourself and saying why mm-hmm. why do I feel uncomfortable about this situation and what is it that you know has has been ingrained in me one way or another to where I need to you know internalize some of these things that are very external I mean it, it's you know well they're it, external it, to you well, but they yeah, may okay, not be okay, external sure. to other people, right? So, Absolutely. so, so part of it is just learning how to listen to what you say yourself. Absolutely. I think, 
and also yeah. learning how to interpret where someone is on their journey mm -hmm. and how to step forward with them. Because a lot of times I think, um, and I am no expert in this, but from the work that I've done and from kind of what we're starting to do with the Bourbon Women Education Foundation, um, we're trying to look at ways to really take the conversation um, in two ways to internalize a little bit about where we need to be able to, what's the word, um, examine where we are and, you know, where the organization is and where the industry right. is, but also try and build a path forward that is um, something that is, I don't want to say easy to uh, communicate, but something that is approachable to people as steps that they can make. Yeah. In a Absolutely. journey with you, because I, I think in some cases, if um, if we can be forthright in our intentions, but be gentle in our approach, I think sometimes that carries a little bit more weight in uh, the whiskey community. Yeah. But I also you mean I there are times when it's time, time to shout and time to sing and time to yeah. to make a big deal. But I, I think. For us as an organization, Bourbon Women, we are about the community. We are about, you know, inclusion. But every every community has its challenges, right? Every yeah, of course. whiskey community, Bourbon Women, there are all things that we need to kind of work into, things that we need to improve, things that we have to deal with. And yeah. I just, I, I, I know I keep saying the same thing, but for, for us and for me personally, it really is how to start that conversation in yep. a way that's approachable and how to start that conversation in a way that steps can be made forward and progress can be made. Do, do you feel like the bourbon community at large is struggling with ways to actually engage in this conversation? Or do you think that that particular sub sub set of the culture, sub sub denomination of the culture is leaning more towards being willing to to have those conversations you know i don't think i can speak to that because i sure yeah i, I could talk about what i see and what i hear um and there are a lot of people that want the change that want to see change um but you know it's it's an evolving process and this is a really heavy conversation to have when we're supposed to be talking about cocktails i'm really sorry i'm really <laughs> sorry okay. it just it, it was it, it, it just when came it, out didn't before it before <laughs> we before we started and i i do this before every interview i say i i don't plan a lot of questions i just want to make sure that things are conversational and yeah, absolutely. you know I, but i do think that within the the range of topics that we are touching on i it's it's something that should be at, at least discussed a little bit and we you know we have the limited viewpoint of you know my between myself and my co-host being two cis white males mm -hmm. like that's that's just the the fact of the matter and so in some regards there are blind spots and it is important i and and i try to make the effort to you know, ask the questions and have the conversations to the to the best of my ability. And, you know, as much as I feel Absolutely. like I, I grew empathetic during or more empathetic during the the pandemic, I, I just still if like I know that it's not the end of 
a journey. It's just, mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just part of it. So yeah. that's where this was coming from. I am more than happy to, to swerve back over to cocktails though, because <laughs> we haven't even touched on the fact uh, that this, this book is, you know, out and about for, for people to check out. And um, I, I think I said this up top, but it is very, very comprehensive in terms of what you kind of need to know to get started with cocktails and where to even take that that journey and that experience even once you finish the last page of the book um mm-hmm. and i don't i don't feel like i've seen that in as many cocktail books because i think that they are so much more geared towards here are recipes and here are ways to experience it and here's a little bit of background but you actually like take the time to to be very deliberate with your reader and say you know it's simple syrup is not that hard to make like (laughs) you can start on a very base level and move up from there but um even i I remember seeing even like a, a recipe for lavender simple syrup which is insanely easy to make, but you know, people yeah. might hear, you know, even just one more ingredient and go, I'm not so sure about that. So was that something that you yeah. were kind of focused on from your outset or was that just a natural evolution for you along the way? No, I, I always knew that I wanted to talk about how to make some of those ingredients that go into um, bourbon cocktails. Cause they are simple. I mean, Lavender simple syrup is basically lavender tea that you add sugar to. I mean, none of this is really rocket science. It could be rocket science (laughs) if you were a mixologist who worked at a bar and were working with very, you know, huge service numbers and lots and lots of pours every night. But, you know, and lots of tickets. But for me, working at home and trying to educate people on the basics, really, I wanted to get them more comfortable with creating some of their own ingredients for lack of a better term, you know, how to make a fruit infused simple syrup. And, you know, I gave, um, a copy of the book. I Andrea uh, Wilson from Michter's read it. She's like, yeah, now I understand how to make a fruit infused simple syrup. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Cause no one, you know, you don't really have people sitting down to explain it. And it, it sounds intimidating when you start and it's really, it's really not. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and I, I think that it's that, allowing people to see that the barrier for entry is so much lower than, than what they're anticipating. But yeah, it's, you know, it, I think that it's something too, that, I mean, yes, we were all stuck at home for a long time and we decided we wanted to drink more and drink more often, uh, throughout the, the pandemic. But, um, what, what about that? Uh, you know, just the freedom to, I say freedom, but, uh, to like be at home and be more e- experimental, with your, uh, with, with your cocktails, what kind of changed your viewpoint about that, you know, a- a- access to more time to kind of craft your own cocktails and, and be more deliberate in sitting down and saying, I want to try to do things like this. Well, I think, you know, when everything shut down, my, my other job, my day job kind of shut down too. And so I had a lot of time yeah. on my hands. So, yeah. you know, I was, I was like, oh, well, you know, I'll just, I'll start a blog and I'll take some pictures. How hard <laughs> could it be? You know, I'll do five a week. That won't be too much. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what was I thinking? The, un- the undertaking of that is just, yeah. Get on you. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, um, it was a bit much to bite off, but what it did teach me was that there were a lot of 
not cheats, but easy hacks that you could use to make cocktail ingredients and make cocktails at home much easier than what you maybe thought off the top of your head, you know? So, so for me, I, I really wanted this book to be like, I was sitting across the table from you at home and we're just talking about cocktails. I don't want to make it highfalutin or fancy. I want to give you the tools that you need to be able to make fun cocktails if you want, or put a fun garnish on it. But I don't want to make it so difficult sounding that you don't want to make it. You know, it's not fun for me if people get this book and never make a cocktail out of it. I even like it when people make a cocktail and they're like, I didn't like the way that cocktail turned out because then I can have the conversation (laughs) of, well, why didn't you? Was it too sour? Was it too sweet? Was it too bitter? Was it the base spirit? What did you use? And so I have people messaging me on emailing me or messaging me on Instagram, asking for help with cocktails, even before the book came out. They're like, you know, I tried that cocktail you posted on Instagram and it was good, but mine did X, Y, Z. And then we go through like what ingredients they used and what the flavor profiles were. And it's just having a conversation with somebody to kind of open their mind about the process of cocktails. It's not, it's not as easy as opening a bottle of bourbon and making a pour, but it's infinitely more complex and it's a puzzle. It's fun to, to play at. Were, were you doing, um, and as, as far as like background goes, were you, were you doing, um, say even like 50% of the, the research and experimentation before the pandemic that you were doing or during, excuse me. Uh, ask me that again. Was I doing 50% of the, like about 50% of the experimentation and, and, you know, doing your own kind of trial and error with, with cocktails, um, you know, before the pandemic started, as opposed to when it actually, you know, got swinging. You know, before the pandemic started, it was really more of a hobby and sort of a passion project. Um, but once the pandemic kind of came, you know, swooped in, I, I needed that focus and I needed something to really keep me occupied. Um, because of course, you know, it, 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 it's been a slog the last two years getting through it. And, you know, cocktails are fun. And the other thing about that is that everybody needed something fun to look forward to. And they wanted something fun that they could do at home. And when the bars closed, people still wanted to be able to have a good drink at home, but if they didn't know how it was really challenging. So, you know, putting together my cocktailcontessa.com blog and, you know, put just putting, you know, recipes up every week. So people have something to look forward so they could look up some bourbon cocktails if they wanted to. It's, you know, it's just, it's just, it's just part of the way that I want to give people an experience and the way I give people a flavor experience is to share a recipe with them. But how, what they prefer is maybe different than what I prefer and that's fine. Yeah. And I imagine that there's some, some kind of like intrinsic sense of fulfillment to like feeling like, you know, when there's, yeah, even extrinsically when people are, you know, coming and saying, Hey, I did actually try this and I did really like it. And thank you for the, the guidance and everything. But I, I, I know how it is being, you know, like an independent content creator, like having mm-hmm. that that positive response and people saying, I really like what you're doing and thank you for for doing it. And I, I'm I'm sure that you kind of felt that way as well. You know, and I do think that it's important to talk about, like, you know, personal victories and feeling like, you know, what you are doing is in some ways important. Mm hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, you all want to, you always want to think that you're making a difference. And when some, when people are shooting pictures of my cocktails that they've recreated at home and sending them to me on social media or texting them to me, it's just plain fun. 
I mean, it's, there's nothing like it. Yeah. And absolutely. now that the book's out, people are taking pictures of the book with the cocktail that they made, which is even more fun. <laughs> what What's the one cocktail in the book that you feel like people need to make above all else? Oh, or maybe Lord. the top three, oh. top five? Oh, top Lord. Ten. You know, okay. <laughs> well, I, maybe I should just flip through the cocktail. I really like, <laughs> let me flip through the book. There's a, there's a chocolate lavender sour that I really like, which I think is a surprising combination. Most people yeah. wouldn't think of those two together. But when I was in San Francisco at one point, we did a wine tasting that had chocolate with that was infused with lavender and it was in this wine tasting. So I knew it and the wine was kind of a sour kind of a sourish white wine. And so I knew that the two would go, flavors would go well together. Um, and so that's one that I think people would like. I absolutely love the chocolate Sazerac recipe, which is in there. Oh yeah. And it is, it is so simple to do. And if you love Sazerac, it's, it's a very easy tweak. And then, um, you know, there's a, there's a coffee infused Boulevardier, which is really fun. Yeah. Um, it sounded I love, so good. Yeah, the, just a coffee infusion of Campari is so fast and it adds so much flavor depth to a cocktail. I, I can't even describe it. Um, it and it it smells kind of chocolatey, but then it tastes really coffee. So you have that nice kind of kind of tease in your head between what you smell and what it actually yeah, tastes like. Of course. Um golly. Oh my God. I Asking could, the hard I could, hitting questions. I know. My God. I didn't prepare enough for this interview. Um, <laughs> man. Uh, I love, there's one that's a black Manhattan in there. Um, that's one of my favorite Manhattans too. Um, dark quarter. It's like a combination between a, uh, a Manhattan and a Sazerac. I love absinthe by the way. So that's why I, I love talking about the Sazeracs. Um, I love, I also love absinthe. I am, I, I am a huge fan of, I don't have it very often, but my father-in-law is really big into, I mean, mixology just in general. And then also mm -hmm. just being very authentic with things that require craft like that. And he loves to do the, the whole weighted scale with the, the sugar dripping into uh, absinthe mm -hmm. and, and making it like the, the actual experience. And like, I, I, that's the only way I want to drink it anymore is because yeah. just because like, I know how insanely good it is and how different it mm -hmm. is from anything else that, that you could have. But uh, like to, to take that to the next level and, you know, mix it with whiskey for a, for a cocktail is pretty awesome. <laughs> Even better. I have yeah. a favorite absinthe drink. That's an absinthe frappe, which is basically simple syrup, oh my absinthe. Gosh. And it's, it's really simple. It's simple syrup, absinthe, and it's on, you usually serve it over nugget ice, I think. So it okay. chills and dilutes really fast. Right. And it is this like explosion of licorice and it's cold and it's frosty. And I had it at the old absinthe house in New Orleans. Um, we had gone there. I'd gone to the New Orleans Bourbon Festival a couple of years ago and I talked my mom into going with me and she hadn't been there. So <laughs> I got an absinthe, you know, a tra traditional torched, um, you know, how they torch the, uh, set the sugar cube on fire. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And then they drip the thing over it with the uh -huh. simple syrup and 
the whole, and then they pour it out with water. So I had that. And then she had the absinthe frappe and I'm like, man, I should have ordered that. <laughs> so <laughs> I came home and I, I figured out how to make it. And it's really actually fun with a bunch of dimple, different simple syrups too. So you could use, oh, like okay. I had one I made with hibiscus simple syrup, which was really good. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And it was colorful. Like it had that bright, um, hibiscus like dark fuchsia color on the bottom right yeah. and then you'd stir it just a little bit and you'd have kind of the green the light green louche creaminess on the top because it was chilled it's so good that sounds so good you would I'm gonna, love it I'm, I'm gonna have to at least try that and i will say too so we we are recording this episode about a week in advance of when it's actually going to be coming out and i i will definitely be trying that that old-fashioned comparing the you know doing the you one with to. the 101 and then 101 rye and then the the so is is that supposed to be like a 50 50 blend technically it can be it, it's yeah. technically a split base is 50 50 okay but if you think about it all it is is you're blend you're blending your own whiskey base yeah right? exactly yeah. that's really all it is yeah. um so you know if you're somebody who likes to take your particular whiskeys that you have and combine them together to make your own expression that's right up your alley yeah for sure. Now I've, I, I mean, like the, the more that we talk about it too, the more I'm like, I have to do this. And I mean, like we might even just do it on, on the podcast once uh, Eric, my co-host and I sit back down and, you know, we, we fill out the, the, if the odds and ends of the episode <laughs> around, around the interview portion of it. But yeah. Heather, I, I just want to say thank you so much for, for sitting down with me for, for the past hour and, and talked about, Man, we, we hit a wide range of topics. We for did. Sure. We yeah. covered everything. And I we, didn't even get to talk about bourbon women that much. So, you know, we, I just, uh, we what? talked okay. about it a little bit, but, but me, I mean, I gotta say, go ahead, go ahead. No, I was going to say, let me offer this to you then. What is it about bourbon women that is so special to you? And the one thing, maybe not one thing, but the things that you are doing the most to convey to other people about that makes it special or makes it, you know, worthwhile for the bourbon community. I, I will say that there is nothing like being in a room full of women sipping whiskey, whiskey together, because, you know, I've been to a lot of events that I'm the only woman in the room. I've been to a lot of events yeah. where there's a combination of men and women, but still usually mostly men. And a room full of women sip, sipping whiskey is quite frankly a magical experience. Um, I'm sure it there is. There is something, and it's not because, you know, I, I think what it is, is it's a space that can be ours, a space where we can ask questions and a space where our voices are heard in a way that sometimes when you're in a group full of men and you're the only women woman, you know, I'm asking questions and everybody's looking at me because I'm the girl asking questions. And then I'm asking smart questions and they're like, why is the girl asking the smart questions? Sure. And there's dudes saying, Oh, I have the X, Y, Z expression or, you know, it's less of a competition in a group full of women about what the most expensive thing you own or have tasted is. And it's more about, what you can do with what you have and the coolest yeah. thing you found just on the shelf, just as you know, uh, I love to talk about the bargains that I've gotten. You know, I found such and such at a store in the middle on a trip in the middle of Virginia. And it was, you know, $45 instead of 75, like it is in Kentucky, yeah. or have you tried this and that? Well, it's like this other one, but it's, it's just a, it's just an eye-opening experience to be in a room full of women sipping whiskey. And what's especially fun is when the presenter 
or presenters are men and they don't expect a room full of women, first of all, or the kinds of questions they get from the room full of women when like 15, 20% of them are scientists and they're asking the hard questions, right? Ooh, right, yeah. And, and so I think, and, and, I, and I really love when I see the presenters kind of, you know, the male presenters kind of get up there and they're like, whoa, what's happening here? This is kind of <laughs> cool. You know, I didn't expect this, but this is really kind of cool. Yeah. And so I think one of the things that Bourbon Women does for women is not only raise the awareness of, of women as a group in the, in the whiskey community, but also that raise the awareness uh, to the people who are making whiskey that we are drinking it. And we do yep. expect, you know, to learn about it and to hear about it. And we don't want just, you know, the fun stories. We, we're going to want yeah. the details, right? Cause of course. a lot of the people in the group, you know, probably 15 to 20% of the people in bourbon women are in the industry, right? It's yeah. largely a consumer group, but the, even the ones that aren't in the industry, they're whiskey geeks, man. They will geek out over everything. Yeah. So Absolutely. that's, I mean, that's really why I love it. It's, it's just a community where it's fine to ask the fun questions and the hard questions. And it's fun to see a room full of women get excited about bourbon because you know, the next thing you're going to do is share it with all of their friends yep. who are on the bourbon journey with them. And it's so, super important to, to, to take that extra time and, and be deliberate as well. Yeah. And, and, you know, not, not to, it's just important to to be inclusive in that as well. Mm -hmm. right? It's just, and one of the things I love the most about Bourbon Women. So yeah. we 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 haven't done so that we did a live show back in 2019 uh, with Peggy Sarah from It's Bourbon Night and Andrea Wilson. Um, oh, I was and, there. Oh my gosh, you were. Yeah, you take that in Louisville, right? You're upstairs yeah, at, at the, the Silver, Silver Dollar Club. Yeah. Okay. So funny story. That was after my best friend and I were planning a bourbon and cheese tasting. And so we had spent about three hours tasting bourbons and cheeses. So my husband had to drive us to the thing because we had gotten so overwhelmed with all the bourbon and the cheese. I, remember, finally... I remember you coming <laughs> into the event now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. I didn't, okay. I forgot that that's what you guys, so yeah. So we have history. <laughs> Wow. I remember uh, so didn't didn't we talk about it like after the fact too? Yeah. Yeah. Oh my yeah, we gosh, did. Heather. Holy Cause, crap. Cuz she and I cuz we took our notes cuz we were going to ask Peggy cuz we knew Peggy was going to be there. So we're like, Peggy, we were doing cuz that was when she started doing all of her food pairing stuff. Yeah. Like, Peggy, this is what we came up with, but we need to check with you. So we had all of our notes written out. So we were going up to Peggy afterwards saying, okay, are we right? <laughs> you know, did we get this right? And of course, you know, Peggy's like, well, did it work together? And we're like, well, yeah, it all works, but yeah. <laughs> then you were so right. It was fun. Exactly. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's so crazy. <laughs> that's Man. funny. All right. Well, the, the world. World get, I was about to say the world gets smaller and smaller every day, but yep. uh, yeah, that's incredible. But I, I, I want to come back around eventually and do some kind of catch up with, with bourbon women and, and mm -hmm. see, you know, just, you know, do a very devoted, dedicated episode to, to talking about bourbon women with y'all. Um, but in, in the meantime, again, Thank you so much, Heather, for for sitting down with me. Uh, we already kind of talked about it, touched on it a little bit, but where can people find you? Not just on social media, but the the name of your your blog and, and the website sure, and everything. Sure. And where can they so find the book as well? 
So the book is available on Amazon.com. It actually uh, got to the warehouses early and has been available for purchase for the last month. Oh, um, yeah, I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't have all my social media planned for this yet. But hey, here it is. Um, <laughs> but so it's on Amazon. It's available in Louisville at Carmichael's. It's available at Joseph Beth in Lexington. Any independent bookseller can order it for you at this point. Um, but uh, my my website is cocktailcontested.com. And online, I'm on Facebook, it's Cocktail Contessa. On Instagram, I'm cocktail underscore Contessa. So you got to put the underscore in there. It's somebody else's and it, channel. And important but- distinction. It is, but you'll see it doesn't look like my pictures at all. So, you know, like you've seen the cover of the book. If it doesn't look like that, it's not my channel. Yeah. And I'm on LinkedIn and, you know, people can just search for me on LinkedIn under Heather Wibbles. So, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty much all over the place. Yeah. Awesome. Heather, again, thank you so much. It's been so much oh, fun. Oh, you're so, it's been such a pleasure to talk today. I just wish I'd, I, I wish we'd set up, you know, a flight of cocktails. <laughs> now I'm really thinking I need to come back on and we need to either do like a bitters experiment. Let's, let's or like do it. A, yeah, because I think you guys would absolutely eat that up. I think and, you would oh, love yeah. doing that. And 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 the other thing too is, you know, I I thrive on being able to sit down in person with somebody and and do yeah. interviews and everything. So, the the next time, which I'm imagining will be within the next few months, based on you know <laughs> how excited it's going to happen. For it. Yeah, it's it going to happen. happen. But in the meantime, yeah, absolutely. Thank you, Heather. <laughs> All right. Thank Appreciate you so it. much. Eric, what kind of tips and bits do we have for our listeners this week? You go first. I don't want to go first. You go first. Oh, okay. <laughs> Sorry, I got real aggressive. <laughs> My coffee's finally kicking in. Man, okay. Yeah, okay. I will go first, sir. Sorry. Uh, sir, do uh, not mission, call me, sir. Mission I hate accepted. That. Um, well, I mean, I have a bunch of stuff that I've been watching, but I got to stick to Star Wars. So just, it's, it's. I'm going to go a little bit outside of Star Wars just because I've, I'll do I've got something I have to talk about. I'll do the Star Wars. The stuff I've got, can I'm going to save it for next episode. <laughs> okay. You, I've said this before and I'll say it again. You have to watch the Star Wars animated series. Clone Wars and Rebels. It is some of the best Star Wars content out yeah. there. And it's all directly related to what we're seeing in The Mandalorian and all these new Disney Plus series. And it's going to tie into Obi-Wan coming out. So please, please, if you love Star Wars, take the time to watch these animated series. There are a lot of episodes, but there's plenty of lists online that you can put Star Wars, Clone Wars, filler list. And it will show you all the episodes that are just like side quests and stuff that doesn't lead exactly to the main story. And you can skip a lot of stuff. Um, I don't recommend skipping too much because they're great stories anyway. And there's so much of it that ties into the the other shows and movies and everything. Like it's and and it's not always directly linked to it, but there are parts of it that kind of fill in gaps here or there. Um, I don't think it's a particularly big spoiler anymore because he has shown up in another movie, but you kind of find out why or, or the fact that Darth Maul actually survived. Oh, yeah. He's his, got a his, big story after. Yeah. Way bigger story than he had in um, episode one. Yeah. And they go a really long way to, to flesh out that character yeah. and to give him even more of a reason to have done what what he did and he actually becomes a pretty crucial character 
within the context of the Clone Wars TV show and kind of jumping off the back of what you're saying, even if you have kind of a loose understanding of who the characters in the Clone Wars are, I think that it is still greatly important for you to go and watch the last four episodes of the final season of the Clone Wars. Oh, yeah. Because it it spans <laughs> basically the entirety of Revenge of the Sith. Little bit before and a little bit after as well. I don't mm. want to I'm not gonna spoil anything yeah. with that because there are a couple of it's scene, crazy. scenes that still give me chills, and I've seen seen those four episodes multiple times, but it it is like it's like the Star Wars movie that never got made. Yeah. That's the way that I've always viewed it. And it's it's so beautifully animated and incredibly acted, and I think that the Clone Wars also did so much work to make you care about characters like Obi-Wan and Anakin. I th- I think one of the biggest things from Clone Wars is the way it fleshes out Anakin. Because you hear, like if you just watch the movies, you hear all this stuff like he was a great uh, fighter pilot. He was a great commander and all this stuff in the Jedi and the Clone Wars and all this stuff. But you actually get to see that. You get yeah. to see yeah. the, the skills he has on the battlefield as a captain, as a commander, as somebody that's just not just this little boy who flew a plane and blew stuff up and well, all that. And, and even getting into A New Hope, when Luke and Obi-Wan are talking about how he fought in the Clone Wars mm-hmm. with Anakin, I mean, that there is so much... Go away! We're recording a podcast! <laughs> It's very important work. <laughs> no, but um, <laughs> somebody's out there honking. Um, but it, it goes a long way to show the 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 depth of emotion and the gravitas of the situation yeah. that Obi Wan is feeling while he's trying to recount to Luke the experiences that right. he had, where he basically sliced his dad up and left him to die on yeah. a fire planet after having fought an entire war side by side with him and you see all those battles together and you realize hey like when he says you you were like a brother to me like you see all that stuff in the clone wars and then rebels goes on it's right before a new hope after um order 66 and stuff like that and you see this small group that is come together and some more lightsaber jedi things going on like i don't even want to spoil anything yeah um but it hits the ground running from like mm -hmm. the first episode yeah and i i mean it really feels like it just doesn't quit it's crazy (laughs) you know i mean it's it's pretty it's pretty intense i can a lot of those classic characters show up in rebels too so third by the third episode You've got classic characters showing Mm -hmm. up. Also, this is not really a spoiler, but as I was watching it, so I just started watching Rebels. As I was watching the first couple episodes, I was like, why does Zeb look so familiar? Oh, yeah, you know why, right? Yeah, because he was the original design for Mm -hmm. Chewbacca. That's what Chewbacca was going to look like. And there's even a reference to it in the second episode Mm -hmm. when he's being brought in as, this is not really a spoiler, I guess, but he's being brought in as a Wookiee. Yeah. And they're like, this isn't a Wookiee. There's, like, there's he's a, the rare hairless Wookiee. There's a lot of things in the animated series 
uh, either in Clone Wars and Rebels, that Dave Filoni went back and looked at old concept art. Yeah. And use that art as new characters and things, droids and different things like that. Yep. And it's cool to see those things pop up. So do it. Get your cartoon on. Watch watch you some Star Wars. Yeah. Um I think I think I've done enough bouncing off of you as well. Go look, it's goofy. The game is I'm I'm struggling with whether or not I want to get all the way to hundred percent with it, but there's so much content in it. But the Lego Star Wars game that just came out, the Skywalker Saga, is so much fun and so goofy and off the wall and everything. But it's still very true to what Star Wars is. Um, And I mean, if you haven't seen it, you're kind of going to miss out on some stuff here and there. But overall, it's a really, really fun game. I'm going to shift the hard, hard shift into (laughs) into something else. So we just got done watching two different series, pretty much back to back. They were both about con women in the 21st century. The first one was Inventing Anna on Netflix, uh, which was about the fake German heiress, Anna Sorkin, uh, who is still alive. Um, She committed most of her... Uh, her her acts of being a confidence woman, I guess, <laughs> over the past ten uh, ish years, uh, and then we also just finished a show called The Dropout, which is based on the life of Elizabeth Holmes, who founded Theranos, um, which was that company where they tried to create a product where anybody could, with just like a couple drops of blood get tested for just this wide array yeah wide array of of diseases right, and, right. and everything yeah. and it turned out that she didn't know what she was doing but she was able to i mean con people out of billions and billions of dollars and it was weird getting through the dropout ever after having just watched inventing anna because while they are very much two sides of the same coin they're they're also just like wildly different in in representations of what a a con person looks like especially in the 21st century and i not that i'm like constantly going i'm gonna con somebody but i constantly (laughs) think like how is it like it's gotta be enormously difficult to con people into giving them into them giving your you their money I feel like you have to like it would only be easy if you like went to like some older person who doesn't get on the internet and doesn't right. understand how to but, do things. But there were people who were like our age and younger who were willing to like fork over credit cards oh, and tens of thousands of dollars for for things like this. And it's just they're they're both very very fascinating stories. But I kind of like would encourage people to see and and take the time to watch both of them, especially back to back and see how these two different stories, while they are extremely similar, the, the storytelling aspect behind them is so crucially different. Yeah. And they, they are very, very different in the, the ways that you feel sympathetic or empathetic for the, the central figures and, and the way that their story kind of comes to light and in, in everything. And um, they're, they're, not dissimilar by any means, but 
it, it just I just can't believe that people are able to pull off that kind of crazy scheme in the 21st century. That's crazy. I mean, the paper trail is nearly impossible not to have. Yeah. To, just to a make Google things. search away from exactly. something. But anyway, uh, also don't, don't slip a disc in your, <laughs> in your back. It's <laughs> caused me a great deal of pain over the past few days. Don't but, pull a hammy. All right, Eric. We're at that point of the show where I need you to do the outro. Need? Why do you need me to do anything? Because I'm holding a thermal detonator. <gasps> no, I'm just kidding. Can you do the outro? Diet Coke! <laughs> <laughs> yes, I can do the outro. First off, once again, live show tickets are up. There's one all-in package left. Um, and then you have the single live show tickets available at Eventbrite. Um, you can find that in the description of the podcast and on at my bourbon pod on Instagram. Uh, if you want to become a patron of the show and support us and help keep the show running and help us do cool stuff and listen to unedited stuff and extra shit and all that, become a patron at my bourbon podcast on Patreon for as little as a dollar a month. And at $5, you get all that uncut stuff. If you want to send us an email with questions, comments, or uh, samples you want to send or pairings you want us to do, this is my bourbon shop at gmail.com. We also got some merch over at bourbonshop.threadless.com or at uh, whiskeymutant.shopify.com. If you want to leave us a message on the barrel ring segment, which is like a voicemail, you leave it, we'll play it, then we'll talk to you via voicemail. It's 859-428-8253. Uh, all social media, it's at My Bourbon Pod. Uh, you can do Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. There's also also a uh, Facebook group you can join in, uh, answer a few questions, we'll let you in. And then you can post memes or you can see news or episode summaries and stuff that's coming out or just send us a message on there and troll us, whatever you want to do. It's uh, This Is My Bourbon Podcast Facebook group. Um, go over to YouTube at This Is My Bourbon Podcast. Perry goes live every Thursday at 8. Um, you can check him out there. I try to join him whenever work will allow me. Maybe uh, maybe this week. Maybe. We'll see. I'm still waiting on the we're, answer We're working on getting uh, a bunch of people on the stream this week, and that's basically everybody who's going to be at the live show because, hey. Hey. Why not? Hey. Hey. <laughs> hey. Um, if you want to leave a review or a rating, you can do that on whatever podcast app you use. Um, and then just just tell people about us. Write tell them a letter. Write, write your long-distance friend a letter that says you, they should listen to this. If they like bourbon or if they just like pop culture, you can just tell them about us. Yes. Word of mouth. Tell your friends. Tell your mom. <laughs> tell your dad. Mom. Hey, Mom, will you listen to this podcast for my friends? Well, a couple of things real quick to wrap us up. But the uh, first thing is that we have a new patron. <gasps> who? My Whiskey Lab. Oh, yeah. I think I know who that is. That subscribe. Really? Yeah. The Lab? How do you know all of our patrons? Dude, like, especially Whiskey Lab. Like, it's just like, I figured you would know about this. There's like I, this I, the legit like he has a lab. He is like Dexter, but he's whiskey. He's like whiskey laboratory. And whiskey laboratory. I think I heard about this, but I, I'm gonna let you finish. Um, he takes whiskey, 
And he puts it in beakers. And then he drinks it. And then he mixes it. And then he does tests on it. And he sends this information. Wait, 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 wait. wait. He drinks it and then he tests it? Yeah, he has so to he, drink it first. So he pees it out and then they test it. Something like that. Don't worry about it. There is, there's this whole like thing that the distilleries use to like, it's like kind of like a, like a product control thing that we don't know about, but I found out about because I found out about Whiskey Lab. And he sends this information to them and he, he just does that stuff. Like, and it's so awesome that he finally decided to become a patron. Swan, come back, please. <laughs> what? <I> th- <laughs> Look, it's true. I, you know what? I totally believe you, though. If you because... go through their books, you will see the scores and the ratings and the information from Whiskey Lab. Yeah. It's true. I believe you. He lives in his mother's basement. <laughs> it's a front, okay? Oh, it's a front. Yes. Okay. There's a, a bigger so thing so going long... on. There's a bigger thing going on, and he can't put it out there. Okay. Well, we're going to let him... Bring it out to the public, then. Yeah, because I'm not I'm not here to dox anybody in there. Follow him. Look him up. Whiskey yeah. Lab. Yeah, but also uh, leave us a five star rated and review. Yeah, do that. Please too. helps us out so much. Go find tickets for the event. Go find a hotel room to stay in so you can hang out with us all weekend long as well. At the end of May, over Memorial Memorial Day weekend. Memorially, Memorial. I said that. Memorially. Um, that does it for this week. Guys, thank you so much, as always, for listening. May the force be with you. We'll see you guys real soon. But until then, I'm Perry. I'm Eric. And this is my bourbon podcast. All right, that's, that's, we got it.